morning and welcome to worship at Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church. We are glad you have found your way to this house of the Lord. Before we begin with worship, uh, several important announcements. I would encourage you to find your way to Selwyn Avenue's website where you will find copies of our bulletin and also very important announcements on our church notes. I'll highlight just a few of them here for you this morning. Uh, first, I'd like to give thanks to those few people who are here with us in the sanctuary and are leading us in worship, Adrian Fullwinder, Nicholas Matherly, Dick Metzler, Ivy Cherry, Darion Malone, who are all leading us in music this morning, and also our ever-present and faithful Eric Winkenwerder. We're glad that you all are here. Um, tonight at 4.30, I guess late afternoon, if you are a parent with a child or um, you are a child and you're listening in, please join us for Children's Chapel on the lawn where you'll be safely distanced um, but also engaged in a little bit of, of worship on this Sabbath. At 5 o'clock, we'll have a, a live um, in-person worship service on our lawn as well. At that time, we will welcome new members and we will also celebrate the sacrament of baptism with Hannah and Bailey King and their son, Henry. If you are a session member, please show up a few minutes early so that we might greet them in the ways that we always do here at Selwyn. Next Sunday marks a very important day in the life of our congregation. It is Dedication Sunday as we complete our 2021 stewardship season. And we ask that you think um, and pray about your gifts to the church this year. We really are looking for 130 households to participate um, in pledging in stewardship this year and um, maybe more than any other year, your gift matters at, at any level. Um, please be in touch with me or members of the stewardship team if you have questions about that work. Next Saturday, we have secured spots to build with Habitat for Humanity. There's still a few open spots in the morning and the afternoon. Be in touch with the church office or Dick Metzler if you would like to be a part of that initiative. And now let's take a big deep breath and worship our Lord.
as you are able, will you please rise and join me in our call to worship? Sing to the Lord a new song. Let all the people of the earth sing a new song unto the Lord. We will sing praises to the Lord and proclaim the salvation of the Lord all our days. We will proclaim the glory of the Lord to all the nations and the Lord's marvelous deeds to all peoples. For the Lord is great and worthy of praise above all gods. Our idols in this world are only that, just idols, but the Lord God created the heavens and the earth. We will worship the Lord with praise and say to the pe people, the Lord reigns. For the justice of the Lord will be established over all the earth. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, who comes to judge the earth and all people with righteousness and loving kindness. from the Gospel of Matthew. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him saying, come you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world, we must say, truly we confess just as we did not do to one of the least of these, we did not do it to you. Instead, we have idolized political ideologies and divided ourselves accordingly. For I was hungry, gave you no food. I was thirsty, and we gave you nothing to drink. 
I was a stranger, and we did not welcome you. I was naked, and we did not give you clothing. I was sick and in prison, and we did not visit you. Forgive us, O God, for our lack of commitment. We have been waiting to see how things turn out. We have been idle and unwilling to let go of our fear and self-righteousness. Amen. Friends, hear these words of assurance from Galatians. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. This fall, in this season of extreme rhetoric and swirling narratives, we've been working our way through the Gospel of Matthew as a way to center our lives together on one voice, the one and only voice, the voice of Jesus. However, this week things have felt nothing short of apocalyptic, and so we're going to turn to the book of Revelations. Revelations, of course, is a collection of seven short stories written by an elder who had been exiled to an island under, Roman, under the Roman regime. He was writing to the Christian communities rooted in seven cities across Asia Minor at the end of the first century. So here in the seventh chapter, we find him jumping ahead a little bit when everything here on earth is said and done. And so now... With humility and confidence, let us hear God's holy word to this vision shared in the book of Revelations. After this, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, singing, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these robed in white and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal, they have washed the robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship Him day and night within His temple, and the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. 
For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to the springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. Well, I don't know a lot of things, but I'm not sure this presidential election was really about Donald Trump or Joe Biden as much as it really was about us. If nothing else, this last week has revealed a significant but painful truth. While we all care about the well-being of our nation, we are indeed deeply divided. I know you are exhausted. I am. Some of us are grieving and terribly frustrated. Some of us are relieved and nervously hopeful. Some are weary and lonely, unsure about a path forward. And while we are all tired of hearing from one side or the other, I suspect it is nearly impossible to leave our polarized narratives outside the doors of this virtual sanctuary. And although this reality makes it difficult to hear and even to preach what the gospel might be saying to us, the truth of what we face as a nation is not the truth that defines who we are and what we do as a people of faith. The world is in an uproar and we cannot reconcile vitriol and chaos with the gospel any more than we can condone violence or bitterness. We can't condone it in the world and we certainly cannot condone it within the depths of our own hearts. Which is why sometimes we are challenged and sometimes we are comforted, but God's word never fails. What happened to the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The Bible says there's no law against such things, but we've fallen a bit short. And so we move towards symbolism and metaphor in the writer of Revelations where he sits beyond history, beyond our feeble attempts to control our own destinies, to the other side of the proverbial pearly gates. And there we find a vision of encouragement for people who are struggling with their faith. We find a narrative of comfort for people who are facing a loss of identity or a sense of security or even community. And most of all, what we find is a promise of salvation, a promise for those who have been divided and distracted and oppressed or persecuted, a promise for those who have, in spite of their best efforts, been tempted by the standards and the trappings of the world around them. And what a promise it is. I mean, a vision is one thing. We all have hopes and wish dreams and wants. My daughter wants a new dog. My husband wants Penn State to pull their act together on the football field. I would like someone to plant a money tree on the lawn of our church. But those are fantasies. They're not promises. A promise is rooted in love. It's a tenacious and strong thing. It's everlasting. A promise, a promise creates reality. 
Promises, as David Lowe says, come as a word beyond us, and they set things in motion. They are covenants that are made in the present moment that point to a better future. Kids who basically have very little agency in the world, they know all about promises more than anyone else. They are the masters at securing promises. But you promised we were going to get a milkshake or a new book or a unicorn. Lowe salutes, if you promise to play a board game before dinner, the pieces are miraculously set up before you have time to even clean the dishes. But God's promises we know. We know God's promises, they require no manipulation or coercion. God's promises are trustworthy. And they make me think of that old couple on the sands of Judah looking up at the night skies. They heard, I promise you more descendants than there are stars in the sky. And our scripture this morning describes the culmination of that promise of eternal life. And in case we've forgotten, in case it has been lost upon us this week, our God is the God of hope. And the word of God is a promise that invites us to step toward a future that is neither defined by our past nor as the world as it is in this moment. And that is very good news. Of course, witnesses to the faith have been promised eternal life. They have struggled and suffered for Christ. And they have been affirmed in their salvation. But also, if we read the passage, it seems like the man showing up is expecting a much smaller crowd, or at least a, a different crowd than the one he sees. And he asks the elder, who are all these people? From every nation and every tribe and every language, every kind of person, and where did they come from? To which he is told, oh, these. These are the ones who have come out of a great ordeal. And while their experiences and their ideologies and their skin colors and their preferences and their life experiences are all vastly different, by the grace of God they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. All of you who are brokenhearted and worried and angry, all of you who are hungry for something real and true from God, all of you who are sick of waiting for things to change. All of you who have hung in there so long and need a little bit of reassurance that everything is going to be okay. Then you hear me out this morning. Through the promises of the resurrection, God is calling us together for a purpose beyond ourselves and our politics and our fears. There are palm branches. There is room to move and breathe and dance and sing. They will be hungry and thirsty no more. The sun will not strike them. The waters of baptism, their eyes will be dry. Their dazzling robes, jubilation and freedom. Not for just some in the crowd, not just for the ones that we expect to be there, but for all whom God gathers. Salvation, as Brian Blunt would remind us, is not a commodity. It is a heavenly promise for those who have been active in their faith and witnessed the gospel. But it is also who God is 
in what God does. It is how God moves and acts in the world today, right now. Sometimes in spite of our stubbornness and our pride and our bitterness, and it's been a, it's been a long week, people. I've been praying for all of you and for our church. And on Friday, I will admit I was struggling with the word for this Sunday. Later that night, Rob and I were driving to pick our daughter up, and we witnessed a terrible, terrible car accident. We stopped our car immediately and ran to the 14-year-old boy whose leg was impinged beneath a bike that was impinged beneath a car. Rob attended to the boy, and I called 911. A father and son had been driving the car, and they weren't sure what to do. Do we roll the car forward, or do we just wait for the EMTs to arrive? Rob and the other two men, they decided to try and lift the car off the boy's leg, and it wasn't really working, and all of a sudden I looked up, and the three men were surrounded by four or five other men, and I'm not sure where they came from. I do not know who they were. They were men of different sizes and colors and ages. I don't know if they were people of faith. I don't know who they voted for. But I do know they did not wait in their cars to see what would happen. I do know they showed up at the right time in a united effort. I heard them count to three. All of them were straining and some of them were screaming. And in an instant, another woman just pulled the boy's leg out from under the car. He had nothing more than a sprained ankle. But I think those of us who were there were rattled out of the vortex of our national debate. And I have been personally changed by the experience. You know, other pastors have been asking me lately if I think Selwyn is a, a blue church or a purple church. Do our members vote Democratic or do they vote Republican? Many churches with a diversity of voters call themselves purple churches. First of all, I don't like that question. And second of all, I really try not to answer it. I honestly have no idea who you all voted for. But if I had to answer the question, I would answer it like this. I hope and pray every day that Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church never becomes a blue church or a purple church or a red church. Why would we ever, ever describe our church by the colors of our politics? Our politics are our idols. They are not our gods. Let the record state, Donald Trump is not the Lord of our conscience, and Joe Biden is not a savior. Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the one throne and to the Lamb, Jesus Christ. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We follow only one. We worship only one. But here's the thing. I know that we here at Selwyn Avenue, at least, we're trying. We're trying as hard as we can to be faithful. And we do not always know how to be disciples in this divisive world. And now we've lost access to our shared experiences of worship and fellowship, and we're not very good at knowing how to talk about the important issues facing our country through the lens of the gospel as opposed to the lens of our political system. 
And in spite of my best efforts, I get it wrong all the time. But in this moment, in this season of unrest and uncertainty, we cannot afford to sit in our cars or our homes or in our echo chambers and wait. We cannot stand by and watch from the sidelines to see who else might show up and do the heavy lifting because the world needs this church. The world needs the church of Jesus Christ, all of us to witness the grace and love of God through Jesus Christ right now. Not just in our mission partnerships, not just in my preaching or Margot or Lisa's preaching on Facebook, not just in our small groups of support for one another, not just in our stewardship, although I have to tell you this year matters if we hope to follow our shepherd into the world. But in all we do and in all we say, we cannot hold back because somewhere along the way we have misstepped or we have misspoken or we have misunderstood one another. It does not matter how we got here, in America or in our city or in our church. It matters now that we show up and that we do the heavy lifting together. And here's the good news. By the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, you have been saved. And to this, the angels this morning, they're singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. We all say, Amen. Would you join me in prayer, please? God of life and comfort, you are the one Lord and Savior of all things and all people, Republicans, Democrats, and Independents, the rich and the poor, the joy-filled and the frustrated. Each of us is created in your image, and you make the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. We all belong to you. Help your beautiful creation not only to survive, but to heal and to thrive. We need you, Lord. Listen to our call for help. Show us the way. Your people have always had their fears, despite your repeated charge to not be afraid. So we come to you in our humility and with honesty, naming our own. Lord, we fear the future. What is coming next? When will this end? Will there be a place for me next year? Will I heal from this? Will it ever be normal again? Will I make it? How long, O oh Lord? We need you, Lord. Listen for our call for help. Show us the way. We see and feel the struggles and pain all around us and don't know what to do. The physical pain of those enduring illness or injury, hunger or homelessness. The emotional pain of those who are lonely, heartbroken, grieving or battling addiction. The numbness of those who are weary or depressed and struggle to carry on. 
We need you, Lord. Listen to our call for help. Show us the way. As a church, we wonder about our ministries and programs and what will become of them. How will we continue to be the church in a post-COVID world? Our country is torn by political and economic turmoil. How do we make peace and move forward after such divisiveness? How do we heal? We need you, Lord. Listen to our call for help. Show us the way. Lord, we also see glimpses of your light in the world's darkness. Open our eyes to more of these glimpses and to be more of the light that the world needs. Help us find joy in life's simple things and share it with each other. Help us appreciate the things we've taken for granted in prior times, rather than focus on what is not the way we want it to be. Lord, help us to know that your yes to us is the last word. For this we give thanks. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, stay with us. We need you now. Guide and teach us. Help us to remember that the body is made up of many parts. Each one is unique and every one of them necessary. Teach us to embrace the discomfort that comes from our differences and to celebrate that we are not unified by our sameness, but we are unified through your Son, the one on the throne, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God has shown us the meaning of generosity and the beauty of creation and in the overflowing love of Jesus Christ and in the never-ending presence and work of the Holy Spirit. God relentlessly pursues and calls us into relationship, into discipleship, and into a community that honors and serves each other and our neighbors. How will you respond to God's call? With what will you say yes? With your time, with your prayer, reconciliation, forgiveness, money, and talents. Let us rejoice in what we have been given and in what is ours to give. Our text to give number is 704-734-9818. Shout to God with the song of joy. 
shout to God, sing the loud Hosanna, glory to God, glory to God. Come and sing to God a song of joy. Please praise the Lord with the trumpet. Let us pray together as we dedicate our offerings. Holy God, as we give thanks for the abundance of your love and grace, we look ahead with hope. We dedicate these gifts of our tithes and offerings, united in Christ and sustained by the Holy Spirit. May your reign on earth bring mercy, justice, and peace. And then all that has divided us will merge and then compassion will be wedded to power, and then softness will come to a world that is harsh and unkind, and then both men and women will be gentle, and then both women and men will be strong, and then no person will be subject to another's will, and then all will be rich and free and varied, and then the greed of some will give way to the needs of many, and then all will share equally in the earth's abundance. And then all will care for the sick and the weak and the old. And then all will nourish the young. And then all will cherish life's creatures. And then all will live in harmony with each other and the earth. And then everywhere will be called Eden once again. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his face upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift his countenance upon you and grant you peace in the name of the Father and the Son 
in the Holy Ghost, now and forevermore. Amen.